All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about the recent movie and TV news. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Richard and Raymond. Hey. This is true. <laughs> All right, so we've been off for uh, a couple weeks. Uh, we have? Yeah. <laughs> the last episode, uh, the audio got... Uh, Got all messed up. I got to, yeah, so I couldn't, I couldn't save it. Oh man, all that gold. <laughs> I probably still have it on my computer. Well, it doesn't matter. It was just about the Oscars. <laughs> we're, we're just reviewing the Oscars nominations, so who cares? And we actually, this is our first podcast back. Uh, we haven't really talked about the, uh, the you know, the much debated slap Oscar telecast. So let's start with that because what has happened in, in, in since then, since the, since the Oscars telecast, which was a week ago, uh, some really big news. I mean, Will Smith, well, he first apologized for slapping comedian <laughs> Chris Rock. And then just a few days ago, he announced that he has resigned from the Academy so uh, but that's only because they were going to go uh, in deep in um, not not in a deep investigation, but they were going to have a um, a final no, decision. I, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't look any of this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we kind of all know that the the they were kind of forced to go to do some kind of investigation. People were kind of blaming other people, and and producers were blaming the cabinet presidents and stuff like that. It was all big fiasco. And I it, blame Jada. <laughs> well, some people blame Will. Some people blame Chris Rock. Some people blame why? Why Chris? I don't know. The the joke. It's such a tame joke. Yeah. It's it's yeah. madness. It's madness that the, the the discourse that came after the this incident, and and it was just kind of fr very frustrating to live through. Uh, especially for us who are, you know, movie fans, because mm -hmm. this, you know, because we got uh, we got opinions from people who couldn't care less about the Oscars and couldn't care less about mm -hmm. movies, and yet they're chiming in with their advice. And it, yeah, and the, and ninety percent of people chiming in and never didn't even bother just watching, uh, you know, live. Oh yeah, they're they're just they're just looking at a clip and yeah. and they're putting their two cents in, and also they're just going by. The headline where yeah. Chris yeah. Rock, you know, insulted Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then and forcing Will Smith to slap him. Like, hmm. if you really saw the clip, it was a really kind of a know nothing joke. Yes, she, Jada has, you know, like, I don't want to debate this again, but, you know, yes, Jada has this uh, uh, alopecia disorder. Uh, Will Smith uh, went. He kind of lost it and uh, um, really made a, a fool of himself, I believe. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I think. That's what you should expect when you're going to one of these things, and you know that a co comedian is coming on. You would expect that comedian is going to kind of make jabs at you. And yeah, so, but I think I think Jada had. Um, well, um, I would say this: Jada, it was the only one who acted appropriately. She oh, just I don't know about that. Well, she, she wrote she, her eyes. And that's how you do. That's what you do when you hear a, a, like a, a stupid okay. joke. Okay. Okay. That, I mean, Will Smith is the one who I'm like. Yeah, I don't want to debate this stupid thing because I couldn't care less about it. But the, I think the thing is that does Will Smith saved his career by resigning to, from the Academy? No, and, no. And coming, no. I, 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 I want to say this: his apology was really well written. I don't know if he wrote it. <laughs> it looks like his PR no. people wrote it, but no. it was certainly a well written apology. So, 
you just take that as you know as you as you want. But I think he, I mean, resigning from the academy was a good move on his part. And I think he just wants to bury this, or at least you know wants to kill the story will, in a way. Will he ever? Will he ever be able to go back to the academy? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the, how's I, that work? Because I'm because I mean, like, is like it will be. Personally, for me, I'd be, it'd be kind of a damn shame if this is like the last time we ever see like a dramatic performance from Will Smith. I guess. Uh, I no. I mean, because he's well, still- well. I guess maybe I maybe we haven't talked about this enough, but. The other topic is, you know, all his projects are, you know, on hold right now, right. including Bad Boys. And it's like, you know, what's kind of what's going on? Well, that, you know, that's screwing over Martin Lawrence. He's coming his comeback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, Will Smith had a couple projects in, in the works, but uh, he was really kind of slowing down anyway. He has a project that's done for Apple TV, which is directed by Antoine Fuqua. That's supposed to supposedly is supposed to come out later this year, or maybe even next year. And yeah, has Bright too been? Uh, well, I, done? Think, I think that was always in the back burner. For, oh, for, okay. No, but I think the the the, the Netflix uh, project was uh, Fast and Loose. And, and, yes. Yeah. That's, and uh, is da- it Dave, David Leach project. David Leach was originally originally or le- he was the last director to be attached to it. He left the project prior to all this stuff, so mm. it was kind of already in development hell anyway. Falling, yeah, yeah it, was it was falling apart. Yeah. So it, this was just give Netflix an excuse to just put it on recast on hold I, I don't know who cares i mean who, i don't know what fast and loose is it just seems like another it probably is another kind of action movie i don't think it sounded like it was a a, 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 a spy movie with a, a i think a guy with memory loss or something like that like, oh okay yeah yeah cia guy yes yeah cia some operative or something like that right was it i don't remember but but then sony uh halted another project of his which is i guess the was that the bad boys for life mm-hmm. sequel yeah yeah, I believe so. I don't know. Let me ask you this then. Is Will Smith's career going to be ultimately damaged by this kind of incident? Well, let's not forget the the, the box office for King Richard. I mean, his his yeah. stardom was dropping big time. So That's true. So it's but not but not for bad boys. <laughs> not no. for not for Suicide Squad, not for action movies. But, but I guess those are the movies that he continue he could still continue doing. <laughs> but those those films are um big budget products uh, projects so those aren't going to be um you know they're not going to risk anything by uh by going forward with them uh, well not he, for he's, now he's too big of a risk right now yeah. he's, his but, projects but, are going to have to be 50 million and under for a while oh you think so yeah damn I, he's going to be doing a lot of crap then well that's that's his problem because he's now. not he because he can't he can't do prestigious films yeah like he he's he's pulled so he's going to be like doing like romantic comedies. And I mean, you don't get romantic comedies anymore. Like hitch. <laughs> well, I guess I could see him do a lot of projects for streamers and I could see yeah. him do, I mean, you got to also remember he, he's also a producer of a lot of TV shows, yeah, for instance, the, the Bel Air remake in for Peacock. So I could see him continuing his career in that way where he just serves as a producer and developer of, of these but then those TV projects, shows. Or so don't those projects won't be qualified for Emmys. I, no, that's. I think that's a totally different uh, academy. So? Yeah, that's a totally different oh, okay. academy. And it's not, I, look. I think Will Smith just because he resigned from the academy, I think he's still. Uh, I think he still qualifies to be nominated. 
Will he get nominated by his peers? Who knows? I mean, uh, pro- probably, I would say. But I, I don't think it's against the law or against the rules that he gets not uh, gets nominated for another future uh, performance. But definitely his pay- his paycheck has dropped. That's for sure. Well, at too. the moment, at mm-hmm. the moment. But once yes. this dies down, and once you know, I, I could see a future where Chris Rock and Will Smith in a particular I don't know MTV Awards situation where they come out and say, "Hey, we're best friends now." Well, I, mean, I, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that Chris Rock comes out in those thirty days and. Um, we find out that he's suing him. I doubt that's going to happen. I really do. I really do. It depends on his ticket sales. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I really. His ticket sales are really good right now. He, yeah. they, they're better than ever. Yeah. And for, um, for now, yeah. Chris Rock seems to be handling it really well. I mean, we should we should give a round of applause to Chris Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's the one who's acted more professional than anyone else, and um, yeah, he kept he tried to kept the the telecast going. As 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 best he could. Great job. Yeah, but but like the LA, um the LAPD told him he's got thirty days to to file. So I don't think and Chris Rock is going to file for Will Smith. I if think everybody's that, on Chris Rock's side, then what's the what's no? The harm? I, that's the thing. I don't. I think there's it's, a lot of people on Will Smith's side. Mm, I think a I'm, lot of people are. It's like fifty fifty, and it, you know what? To be to be blunt, it's not fifty fifty, right? I think it is. I think is it, it is. Oh, okay. I, I, uh, but to be blunt, I couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't care less if he hits him or didn't hit him. My my whole thing about you know watching the Oscars was that I I like to see. I, well, the reason I watched the Oscars is because I like to see what movies are getting getting the trophy, and I don't want to see internal kind of beefs between celebrities and. You know, did did Chris Rock had a history against Jada or whatever? I couldn't care less about that, but th- but for whatever reason, we're we're stuck in this kind of uh, bullshit kind of uh, internal fighting between these two celebrity celebrities. And don't uh, worry, Mike. Don't worry. Uh, next year's Oscars will have um, Kanye West and Pete Davidson. <laughs> I know exactly. Why not? I mean, let's 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 face it. The Oscars are a big joke. And there have been a joke for a while, I guess. But let's, yeah, let's let's have uh, Condi West the host. Let's have the Kim Kardashian host because that seems like what everyone wants to talk about. Oscars have become a reality show, and it seems that's what people want because that's all they talk about. No one cares that Coda won. No one cares that you know, uh, you know. But you know what? Here's here's the sad thing is, and I, and I hate saying this, I really do. But if if that slap didn't happen. It wouldn't. People wouldn't even be talking about this at all. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it just people couldn't care less about the movies. The movies, (laughs) you know. No, it'd be um, news on Monday morning. That's about it. I mean, but but. Well, yeah, but that but that's that's well difficult. Disappointing. Disappointing. People people would be talking about how Zack Snyder (laughs) got a a round (laughs) of applause by his his fan base by winning two uh, online polls. That would have been like kind of uh, big news, and, and, and I've got to admit, when 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 all that happened, like I'm a, I, when that best cheer moment and stuff showed up, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that the Oscars were, went so low. They actually included this, and then I saw, and then I saw number one. I was like, oh my god, Zack Snyder's just. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Did you have the same uh, uh, response when you saw Army of the Dead as? 
fan favorite no, movie. No, I just laughed. I laughed. I laughed so hard. And then when they showed Cinderella, I was like, oh, this is, the, uh, this is exactly what the Oscars deserve for, for even putting this category. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was, it's a, it was, you know, there was a lot of things to be disappointed about that Oscars, not just a slap. Uh, there was a lot of things that were just totally horrible about the Oscars, but at this point, I don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Surpri- surprisingly, the hosts were were like some one of the best parts. Oh, yeah, they were like kind of some of the highlights of it. And we thought at first when I heard the, the announcement of these three ladies, I'm like, oh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to take too much time, and it's going to be jokes about you know silly stuff and well and it was it was it was but but but, you know compared to the rest of the evening it was just as it was the (laughs) highlight um yeah but i mean i think the best response after the oscars came from frank oz he tweeted a a, i think what he he, i think what he tweeted encapsulates what i was thinking rich do you have that tweet yeah and this was right after the, the oscars so this was like one of the first ones that popped up and he said, after being a member for 30 years, I'm embarrassed to be associated with the Oscars telecast, not because of the slap, but because of the phoniness of the show. All I sense is a desperate attempt to get more viewers by any means possible, not a show about the love of making movies. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And I think, you know, we should credit Frank Oz for saying his exactly what we thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the slap is not is not. You know, the discourse over the slap was just terrible. I couldn't, I I, like, I like I said, I was I was so frustrated with it because it had nothing to do with the Oscars, really. This the slap was just kind of a a a Rorschach test for for people who to apply their own kind of ideology and what the slap meant to them. (laughs) You know, everyone had different opinions on on that, and like like I said, I couldn't care less if if Will Smith kick his ass or not just do it in the back or doing it you know doing afterwards doing the after show or after party no, don't do that don't do that to chris rock <laughs> well it doesn't matter i mean chris rock could uh, defend himself better i mean obviously he wanted to defend himself but he couldn't because he's a professional uh anyway it just it's just he could he could have murdered him with jokes oh t- big time big There's time so, i mean like his all his entire personal life <laughs> is out there i mean but that, but that's that's another thing about it, man. I think like Will Smith is like going through like a lot mentally, and I I, I hope this guy gets help because I, I I think I think he needs it, and um I don't want I don't want I don't want this to be like, uh the beginning of like a, a of a chain of events. You know what I mean? I want this to be like the end of the the end of like this like bad boy streak in and Will Smith, I guess, because he he's an old man and there's <laughs> there's. This is a, a bad time to you know start you know doing shit like this. Oh, for for Will Smith at at this age, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, the, the, to be a, per, a person in his statue stature, and to be in you know he's an A list. He's not just an A list movie star. He is like one of the top movie stars in the world. There's only a few people in his that category. You know, it's him and maybe Tom Cruise, and that's it. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure that comes along with that, but be professional. <laughs> That's all you need. Yes. I mean, just be professional. That's how you got to this this point. And uh, he just lost it. And uh, don't take Jada to don't go with Jada to the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I think Jada 
like I said, I think Jada was the only one who acted appropriately. She just rolled her I eyes. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened behind those uh, cameras I, when those cameras were on her. That, look, it was so quick. She it did it, it. It was Will Smith snapped. He really snapped, and I think it really. I, I have theories. I don't, I'm not going to go through it, but all right. I blame DJ Khaled. I do too. <laughs> what? Who's DJ Khaled again? <laughs> oh, he was that guy that came in the front, right? I never get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he started he started the evening wrong on the wrong foot. <laughs> All right, that's enough of the slap talk. Uh, thank God we're done with it. I, I hope we're done with it, right? We are. I think yeah, so. I mean, it's, it's been a week. I think it's finally done, right? It's not going to be talked about again. Hopefully, until the next Oscars, because you know it's going to be talked about again once that ha- once they're setting that up. Well, as we're recording, the Grammys are is on, and I'm not sh- I'm sure they're talking about it. Or I'm sure they're making a joke of it too. So yeah, I think SNL just did a joke about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> which a is very unfunny joke. <laughs> and speaking of the Grammys, Louis C.K. just won a Grammy for uh, best comedy album of the gra- of the year. Really, <laughs> sincerely, cool. Louis C.K. All right, I'm cutting this out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's uh, let's get to our, our next topic, which is. And, you know, this has been a really stressful week for for movie fans because I thought this this is a was a shocker. It's the shocking announcement of Bruce Willis's retirement, and it, apparently he was diagnosed with a neurological disorder called aphasia. It's a cognitive disorder where some people with this particular disorder have difficulties communicating or understanding language or understanding uh, or just you know to, skills of communicating. And uh, yes. apparently this was brought, you know, to some people, this is brought on by head injury or, or, or a stroke. And we don't know the exact details of, of Bruce Willis's uh, health issue, but apparently he has been suffering by with this, uh, uh, this disorder and it has hurt his career or hurt his acting ability. We're to the point now that they're, they're saying that he can't do it no more. Uh, what's your thoughts on this kind of really shocking announcement? But but now there's also these like also, also stories coming out that um that you know, his handlers and stuff that have been kind of aware of this to, for the past couple for the past two years, and um yeah, I read this article on L.A. Times where it seems like his handlers or his, the people that surround him, like his manager or his you know these type of people who kind of work with him. They have set up a kind of a, a system where they would bring him to us these these uh, movie set and have him work for a couple of days, and they would feed him lines because he couldn't remember the lines. That's how bad his dis- his disorder has gotten. And if you look at Bruce Willis's filmography, you can see that he has done like maybe twenty films in the last two years, and all Most of with the same same producers and like directors like same lineup of uh filmmakers and all of them really crappy b movie action movies crime thrillers mm-hmm. that are just really low budget really low rent and you would think this would hurt his career but and look uh, to be truthfully honest um i i was making fun of him i go what happened to bruce willis not knowing about this whole this this you know this 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 crisis he was going through and i was like what happened to bruce willis he it seems like he doesn't care about his legacy it seems like he doesn't care about acting anymore he's just out there to make these cash grabs 
And apparently it wasn't all his, you know, doing the people surround him are also, you know, talking him into doing these movies. Um, That's my opinion, but it seems like he was kind of taking advantage. That's again, that's my opinion of this situation, but it seems like he was taken advantage by the people surrounding him. And uh, it's just unfortunate, you know, uh, Rich, what's your thoughts on, on hearing that, you know, the situation with Bruce Willis? It's just, it's just a sad situation for Bruce. I mean, but um, I, you know, it's, it's very possible that he wanted to go on. I mean, uh, once again, the, uh, the diagnosis there or whatever, he might've just told his people to like, get me just, I'll take anything. Just, you know, well, there's, there's, there's like, give me, there's, well, there's a difference between give me, you know, give me a movie that I could work on and then give me 20 movies where I I don't know the lines. And if you read the article, there was one really sad situation where he was so out of it, out of it, that he would go to the director goes, I know why you're here. And he would go point to an actor who was uh, acting opposite him and go, I know why you're here. But why am I here? I mean, that's how much yeah. he was out of it. And this is this, this to me. That's something about his team, his personal team. They should take care of him. And it really seems like they were taking advantage. That, again, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's I I I, I really don't know. Well, it made it may have started out that way. I mean, maybe it started like you know Bruce Willis may have said that I feel like I could still act even though I am diagno- diagnosed with this disorder. This, but at the end, I don't know if it, it was truly his full decision. You know what I'm saying? It's because there was also there was also the the the, the time the, the, uh, during this time that the um he did a Broadway play uh, uh, a reenactment of uh, uh, Stephen King's um, uh, Misery Misery right and uh, he's playing the James Con part and he had his earpiece earpiece on him mm-hmm. which um, which uh, he was feeding his lines he couldn't remember yeah. the lines. Yeah, and that was a couple years ago, and uh, but still, I mean, I there's a there's a there's a difference of between doing a Broadway play, and then doing these really crappy B movies <laughs> that you know are, I, I like like I said, it's it's I I don't want to get into it because I don't know the full story and, and his history and what 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 happened. I'm just saying, if to me, it felt like some of the people around him was taking advantage of him. Because you gotta understand that Bruce Willis is not just an actor; he's also kind of like a corporation, and yeah. the people around him are his workers, and they know that you know the, their jobs are also uh, coming to a close too. You know, right. so they're they're out to get some money as well. So again, that's all my opinion, uh, Raymond. I'm really quick, I mean, because you're a big fan of Red Letter Media, and the, they did a video about Bruce Willis and about the kind of the crappy movies that he has been doing this, of course, before his announcement. And that was the first time I realized that, that these issues were, 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 were brought up that he was having an earpiece. And it seems like the people were yeah, feeding, none up, of feeding us him were, lines. Cause, and, Cause neither of us were actually watching these movies. Right. Yes. And um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the at, at the time the, the videos were super entertaining, but I mean, looking at it now, I mean, I mean, who 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 could have who could have known really? I know, I know, I know, and it's so it's so weird to, to see red media, red letter media, a red letter media doing a video of this, and then it kind of exp- not kind of exposing it, and then really kind of it blew blew up, 
And then lit- literally a couple weeks, you know, a month later, uh, Bruce Willard comes out with this announcement. And, that, um, and also the uh, Razzie um, nomination is whatever that thing was. Yeah, because he did, he did so many movies this past year that he was able to get a whole category in the Razzies. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, and then I, I, apparently they apologize. Uh, on mm-hmm. A very rude apology. <laughs> yeah, a really kind of tone-deaf apology on Twitter. Um, I don't know, very shocking, very shocking and very sad. And let's, really quick, let's talk about some of your favorite performances of Bruce Willis. Rich, what's like, what was the, when you think of Bruce Willis, what's the first movie that comes up? Obviously, Die Hard series. I mean, that's the that's a given. But um, for me, it's Pulp Fiction. Um, that's the second one I think of, and um, one of one of my other famous uh, uh, favorite uh, performances that he did also is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, M Night. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I always I always go to Twelve Monkeys. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, Twelve Monkeys is like uh, one of his best movies, one of his best performances. Uh, a recent one, and ev- I mean everyone brings this one up, but I mean I love his performance in uh, Looper. Mm. That he was great in that film. Uh, I think an underrated kind of action, just kind of just action movie that he did that doesn't get enough love. It's the Last Boy Scout with uh, Damon Wayans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an awesome action movie. He did a Disney movie uh, back when I was a little kid called uh, The Kid, which I thought was pretty solid. Uh, I, I mean, Richard named the good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's plenty more of The Fifth Element. I mean. Yeah, but that's more of a you movie. Well, I thought you were going to say Sin City. Oh, I forgot about Sin City. I, I was going to say Sin City. Uh, I would say, well, I I agree with Raymond that uh, I think the Twelve Monkeys is his best performance. It's, a, it's such a different side of of Bruce in that movie. He is almost um, he's almost like a child in that movie, or, or he's so vulnerable in that in that movie. We don't see him that that in that way. He's kind of paranoid in that film. Uh, there was a great story about how Terry Gilliam and Bruce Willis had these arguments about a particular scene. Uh, the scene where he's he's riding in the in the car and he's hearing uh, um, Blueberry Hill, the the the, the Fat Domino's uh, mm-hmm. song, mm-hmm. and he goes, "What was that? Turn in, turn that up, turn that up." And he goes, "Oh," and it was it was a song that he heard when he was a, ch- a child. And and for a brief moment, he you see him like uh, revert back to his childhood in that scene. It was a beautiful scene about how he acted in, uh, and it was mostly a, a you know a, a dialogue free scene. And it you know he's he's such a powerful actor that you could just read his face and you could get so many nuances of his you know those emotions. And uh, apparently Terry Gilliam wanted him to be very vulnerable in this scene and very kind of childlike. And Bruce didn't want to do that. He wanted to be more kind of a typical action hero, kind of paranoid. And for the first time, I think Bruce uh, opened up and we saw, you know, a little kind of glimmer of of really kind of living in the moment. And so I I, I think that 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 movie was it's probably his best work because he was he was open to this vulnerability. Yeah, and uh, and also you, if we're just talking about like his best performances and him, you know, working with filmmakers, I think M Night Shyamalan is like one of those filmmakers also that always gets the best out of him. Because I think uh, w- while the movie was divisive, I think that one of the best performances he's given in the past decade was in Glass, and all of his pr- prior, you know, uh, collaborations with him, like The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, where you know he, he's outstanding in those films. 
Yeah. We also get a different side of Bruce in those movies. A kind of a normal guy. I mean, he's always been played the the blue collar guy. Yeah. M. Night was able to get us a, a different shade of Bruce. And uh, yeah, he worked very well with uh, M. Night. Um, yeah. They're, he, they're a great duo. Yeah. But I, yeah, of course, I remember him moonlighting and of course... Uh, the the commercials uh seagrams 41 <laughs> coolers you talking about his early it's early work because it's before his films before die hard yeah yeah uh what was about moonlining that you liked about him in in that movie or that that tv series i mean his comedy he was like a offbeat comedy he was like he, it was very much like a jack trip or like a, a looney tunes kind of uh you know um uh, <laughs> you know like you know it's it, it's the comedy it's a um not exactly raunchy but like uh you know a rapscallion yeah rapscallion yeah like, yeah exactly <laughs> i remember watching that show early on and when i was a very young kid moonlighting with um who was it opposite uh, uh sybil sybil shepherd they had a great chemistry and yeah he on camera yeah, so there was a lot of a lot of stories about how they fought on set, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It worked well because they they fought on on screen too. Mm-hmm. But um, the, he reminded me uh, of a, a, a kind of a type of Michael Keaton type of uh, actor, someone mm-hmm. who could do drama, but someone who could do you know comedy, someone who could be foolish at times, but deadly deadly serious if he needs to. Uh, um, I, I, really quick, I want to talk about Sin City because I think Sin, Sin City was re, was the first movie that was able to capture his Humphrey Bogart ness or whatever you want to call that. You know, the, he is kind of the new generation or this generation's hum, Humphrey Bogart, and Sin City was the one that kind of really was able to uh, capitalize on that. And he was great. I mean, Sin City is a good movie, but I think his particular part in the movie was the best thing about uh, the first Sin City movie. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I can't see anyone else playing that character Hardigan. Per, is like almost molded perfectly for 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 Bruce Willis. But also he could he could dull it down. I mean, I mean, uh, remember the Sixth Sense? I mean, he was not uh, Bruce Willis as we know him at all in that movie, and. Um, that that performance right there shows exactly what what kind of acting he could do. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's very unfortunate that he wasn't able to kind of tap into these other shades of his acting uh, skills, mm-hmm. and we only got brief seconds in in other films before. But because he, I, I, I think in a lot of ways he was kind of typecast as the cop, as the detective, or as the you know. Oh, thanks, Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, what? I haven't haven't seen moon moonrise kingdom and i heard that he's very good in that movie that's the wes anderson movie. yeah he, he's good in that movie but yeah. it's not a big role mm. but it was there was a small film in 1989 called in country and that's the one movie that he got a a, a golden globe nomination and that's the one that uh that was after die hard and moonlighting and the, that's the one that that people saw him seriously because right before that i mean he was he was already signed to look who's talking which I mean, I mean, looks talking is not exactly that great in the, on the resume as far as far as you know. And in country, he played a Vien, Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. We can we 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 also can we can't forget that he also voiced the villain in the Beavis and Butthead movie. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, he was great. He was great in that. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, um, 
Wasn't Demi Moore in that one also? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. He has, he, you know, although he has, ret- he's going to retire, he has left a lot of films out there. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his list and there's a lot of films I haven't seen of his. And um, so I might. Like all the ones he made in the past two years. <laughs> well, those, definitely those. But I mean, there's some like sporadic films that came out during the 90s and early 2000s that I kind of missed. And maybe I'll go back and check those out and really kind of complete his his list of films. Um, yeah, very sad story. He's a, he's a legend. He is a kind of a guy we all admired. He was one. He's a rare actor who could play the blue collar uh, next door neighbor or like the hero cop. And I think uh, those are difficult roles. And he does it with ease. I don't know. It's it's a hard. It's going to be hard to kind of replace him because I don't see particularly American actors. I don't see them. I don't see actors like that anymore, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll wish him all the best. And, uh, you know, there's so much for him to, to look for in the future. And I just wish him all the best. And I hope yeah, he hopefully a, he's well enough to pick up an Oscar next year for his, his lifetime work. I would, I would love that. I would yeah. love that. All right. Let's get to the next topic, which is Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, while promoting Sonic 2, and this is also another kind of shocking uh, um, announcement, he kind Mm -hmm. of said offhand during the interview that he was thinking of retiring as well uh, from from acting. And it seems like he's very serious about this. Uh, So (laughs) what's your thoughts on Jim Carrey possibly going into retirement? Yeah, I think um, all this... All this um, death that's been hitting the you know uh, people left and right. I mean, Jim Carrey lost a lot of people recently. I mean, a lot of comedians. Uh, uh, just recently, Norm Macdonald, who's a good friend, and also um, Bob Saget. And also, people and like like his girlfriend, his, right? His, his girlfriend a couple of years ago. So, um, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty more. But well, well. I mean, this isn't like the first time he's kind of retired, right? I mean, he's disappeared in the past, so I think he's probably retired. But if, uh, if, if I think if the right screenplay comes along, I, I don't think he. Well, he. I don't think he. There's. I think that he'll return. He, yeah, he has said that he's open for a return if the, a filmmaker presents him with a, a great script. He's not going to look away, right? But it seems like he is so kind of uh, done with the business. He's. It yeah, seems I'm like he's done very, with Hollywood. Yeah. And he doesn't want to play the game no more as because, like, that's what you're forced to do when you're, you know, no matter how big well, you are, you're forced to play the game. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm I sure he's being asked to play other characters and makeup in which he doesn't doesn't like. We all know that. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he cares about that. I, I, you know, just hearing his interviews while, you know, while he's promoting Sonic 2, it seems like he's so... He's so it seems like he's so determined to not do movies and he's you know he's gone on to paint he's gone yeah. on to different kind of formats where he can express his artistic abilities so uh, acting is not a big part of his life anymore and uh, uh you know if he is going to come back I would like to see him maybe come back as a comedian do do stand up again but well I mean I hate to bring this up again but I mean in an interview he was you know asked about the you know the slap oh yeah yeah and uh, he had the he had probably I think one of the best responses to it and it seemed like in his response that he was he's kind of just done with hollywood he's done with it and mm-hmm. and, and i think all of this stuff him saying that he's retiring is a direct uh response to the slap actually i think that was like for I, him like uh 
No, I mean, uh, uh, Sandra Bullock also says she's going to retire as well. Um, and that was before the slap. So it's just, this is, but that's Sandra Bullock, but <laughs> no, but no, I, I think that's, that's, I think same the same, it's almost the same thing. Yeah. I think Sandra Bullock it's, is kind of tired with the I business think, as well. I think this pandemic, um, keeping them home at home for these two years, I think it really had, you know, set people's minds that, that, you know, maybe it is just good time, time to, to retire. Yeah. I think that's a part of it, but also the business has changed yeah. over over just two years, over the pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. it's changed so much that we don't have a real star system anymore. Uh, like, like just, you know, to go back to Will Smith, King Richard was not a box office hit. It was a bomb. And that's the biggest star in the world, uh, arguably. And um, so the star system in America is just almost gone. It's the new stars are superheroes. They're mm-hmm. the only ones that could open a movie. And they, 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 they so it doesn't really matter if Tom Holland is playing Spider-Man. It's whoever plays Spider-Man. It's going to be a box office juggernaut. So uh, I think a lot of these stars who have grown up in the 90s and in the 80s and have, you know, because it was a totally different um system back then where it was driven by star power and it's those those days are gone and i think they 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 kind of realized that over the last couple of years and say this is this is probably the best way to uh, the best way to kind of uh, retire it's just i'm on top or i'm or i did a lot of stuff and I, I should be happy with that and i still have a lot of money i guess but um that's what i think they're they're thinking about has george clooney retired also he should. <laughs> uh, no, I think he's. I, he's. I think we just finished directing the movie, right? He just. Uh, yeah, I meant acting. Uh, no, I don't think he announced anything. Um, mm. And I'm, I think maybe he's more focused on directing films than. Mm. But there's a lot of people I think that should like maybe enter into the retirement, like Judd Apatow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just saw the bubble, and uh, we're not <laughs> we're not pleased with that movie. Yeah, I mean that was kind of a, a horror, horrible film, but um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, you want to talk about Ezra Miller <laughs> really quick? Ezra Miller's uh, uh, fiasco here. He, you know, he's a uh, talk about someone who deserves a slap. <laughs> well, oh man, I, no, I, I don't think so. I, th- I think this guy is an alcoholic. I think he has problems. I think I think he might have some some type of. Thing going on in his life i think he might be going through some something mentally uh, i think the guy needs serious help mm-hmm. and uh we could I, there's more than just alcoholism there has to be more to it i mean because he's oh i'm he's sure there's violent in all these occurrences there is some well we should mention that he has been arrested also why is he why is he drinking by himself all across the world like what is he doing that's what i mean i think he's there's something going on where he's uh, immense alcoholic he's ha- he's having some kind of uh issues going on but uh we should mention that he, he has uh, apparently in hawaii over <laughs> what last weekend or so uh he was arrested for um disorderly conduct and harassment <laughs> and you know he has a big movie coming out soon the 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 F- fantastic beast mm-hmm. which is out this month uh, i think next week next I week in two weeks yeah. yeah two weeks and then he's also the star of the flash which is is going to be this big blockbuster Film. which is which yeah, is next year which is set next year 
either he's doing this on purpose, like he wants to uh, self-sabotage his career, or he is dealing with some really horrible issues. But not not ju- not only was he like ar- ar- arrested or like uh, f- you know for for getting drunk and like harassing a woman and then like uh, throwing a, a mic at, at at a guy that was uh, criticizing him. The following day, like the the or the people that bailed him out, he like robbed them and like threatened them the following day. Like what? Who this does guy that? Seri- <laughs> this guy needs serious help. Yeah. And why was he? Why was he staying with random people? Because he's by himself. Uh, it, 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 clearly, he seems like he wants. He, he escaped. he's like running away from his friends and family. And- I, I I look. I we don't know. I mean, that's what yeah, I, 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 I assume. Family at this point. You, you know what? This this explains why his performance was so amazing. And we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need to talk about Ezra. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um. What does this say about the Flash? I mean, not not to to because what can they do? <laughs> there have been these calls from people that, that they should replace Ezra from the Flash and get another actor or whoever to to replace him. That's out of the question, right? <laughs> there's no way that I could think happen. it is. I, it's, it's, I think it's way out of the question. I mean, there's there's multiple Ezra Millers in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, um, they. I think right now the best thing they could do is get this guy help. Get this guy help. So when when they're promoting the movie, all that he has to talk about is like I, I'm recovered. I recovered. Mm-hmm. I I went through. I did my treatment. Uh, all that's in the bat in the past. Let's try to get him in the whole Robert Downey Jr. doing Iron Man one situation as, as fast <laughs> as possible. You know, let's 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 get him in a good state. Yeah, he's <laughs> on. I need serious help. He's on the road of recovery by the time he's uh, promoting the Flash next year. That's the hope. That's, I mean, that's what mm-hmm. Warner Brothers needs. I I don't know. I think it's. <laughs> People calling it for to replace him is just totally. Uh, I don't think you could do that. It's just it'd be so much money to replace him if they do do that, and so I think that's out of the question. I think uh, Warner Brothers. I don't know how much power they have over you know uh, over his uh, over his uh, wishes, but apparently, I, 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 if they can, you know, get him uh, get him into some kind of rehab. Because that seems like he needs it. He it's, it's a, I, I really see a, I really see a sad story in this like there's a sad story this is kind of a really kind of a meltdown and uh yeah he needs to be uh locked in some kind of a um, <laughs> rehab center yeah well i don't know about locked but i mean no locked <laughs> locked <laughs> like moon knight <laughs> connect the chain to his bed and stuff like that oh. maybe for the first couple of nights till his addiction goes away i mean this is crazy behavior all right um the other big kind of uh, news item that came out this past week was the crow. Uh, the crows. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, this is a horrible segue, but the crow. <laughs> the crow is getting a reboot. Bill Skarsgård, who is mm-hmm. from uh, the movie It, and um, he's going to be playing the lead character. And uh, Rupert Sanders is going to be directing. Rupert Sanders is the director of Ghost in the Shell. Which it's you know despite you know the casting choices there I I kind of uh, liked that movie I did I, I don't think it was that bad it's it's a visually stunning visually the, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like it too but it has poor pacing that's true but it, but it also felt like an anime movie unfortunately yeah it did but unfortunately Rupert Sanders other other film the the Snow White movie I think also had uh, poor pacing mm. and I I think that's something um that's a pattern <laughs> so. He's not an exciting choice for the crow. No, because the crow needs some 
I don't know what the crow. I I think the crow is just a dead franchise. I don't know if they. I I really love the idea of uh, Jason Momoa playing him though. Eric uh, Eric Draven is it? Wow, really? Mm. Was that at one point a option? Yeah, that was for the longest time. Oh, I didn't he know. Was supposed to, he was supposed to do it with I forgot which director, but um, uh, like if, if you're gonna do a movie about like a like a heavy metal band or like this band, mm-hmm. like Momoa is the only person that makes sense for today. But I, I mean, I do like Bill Skarsgård also. I do think he's, I don't think it's a bad choice. But I, I mean, once you have the, like Momoa there, I mean, I can't. I'm like, <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't need a remake. That's the truth. It really does not need a remake. The movie still holds up. I think it's still like one of like the the better comic book movies out there. Yeah, it's a it's a great film. Uh, I, have, I, have the, I, have the, I have the poster for it on my wall. It's yeah. one of the. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's one of the better '90s comic book movies of all time. Yeah. Brandon Lee was, I think, did a marvelous job as Eric Draven. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has this tragic part of it because Brandon was a- accidentally shot and killed in the, uh, during the making of The Crow. And so I, th- that's what I'm saying. I don't know if, if people care about The Crow, a, a new Crow movie. You mean, I think if, if they do it, I think they should uh, not use, na- use the name um, Eric Draven. Eric- I mean, you think it should be a new character? Just a new crow. Well, if if you do it with uh, Bill Skarsgård, you can maybe make it like, um, aren't there like a bunch of metal bands in like, uh, like Scandinavia? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. you could do that with Skarsgård. That'd be awesome. It would be set in some kind of Icelandic town or city. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to be the case. It's probably going to be some (laughs) gothic styled you know american town or something regardless i i think they should have still done it with momoa <laughs> yeah and bring back edward furlong i want to say this is a this is a cursed production but kind of like you said mike i mean with like uh, uh edward furlong they've made, already made multiple sequels to this yeah. movie i mean it's so weird that they've been struggled so long with the reboot that's true yeah well, they well, they went for the cheap. Uh, so. Why? So why are they? Are they why, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they're putting too much money into this. Just do it cheap. This doesn't need to be like a hundred million dollar movie, something like that. Just make the crow. All right, that's it for headlines. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it for headlines. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that we watched recently. Let's talk about the the bubble really quick. This is a new movie from Netflix, and it's the one. You know, it's a comedy that Judd Apatow made during pandemic. It's about, or it's set against the pandemic, or set during the pandemic, and it's about a bunch of actors who are stuck in a hotel room, and they're forced to make a sequel to a dinosaur franchise. We're not big fans of the movie. We 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 just were very disappointed by the film. Yeah, talk about revenge. I want revenge for watching that movie. You wanted to, you want to come back uh, a year after Halloween and, and slap uh, Judd Apatow? Yeah. No, but I, look, the, yeah, the movie was so kind of unfunny. It was like painfully unfunny, and it I just didn't. All the jokes didn't land, and uh, you would think after something like the Oscars, where we saw like maybe the the worst behavior of celebrities, you, you would think that that would help the bubble. But um, I was wrong. No, we just got we just got even more bad behavior, but from Judd Apatow as a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, really quick, what's your what's your feelings about the bubble, Raymond? Um, yeah. What's your thoughts? Well, I, 
I wasn't super excited for the movie because um, it just kind of came out of nowhere, right? So there was kind of no hype building up for it. Yeah, that's true. And um, and the the trailer for it wasn't very promising. It's you know he's not working with his usual cast of uh, you know improv comedians and stuff like that. So uh, it was already a little questionable. But it's Judd Apatow, so you're like it's got it's got to be good. And um, unfortunately, like this is this is this is a train wreck this is like a, a ter- this is a terrible film it's not funny at all it's uh it drags it's it's judd apatow's shortest movie but it really feels like it's over three hours like it just really really drags it's a, a awful experience sitting through it and you probably could cut maybe 30 minutes easily out of the all the two-hour cut uh, because it's uh, there's there was no really kind of po- plot line. You just seen a bunch of celebrities, a lot of movie stars acting a fool, and we're just... and they're all just like they're all just doing like regular stuff that you do during a pandemic. Like it wasn't really like there wasn't really like there's no satire to the satire. Really. Yeah, yeah. There was because there were there was an attempt to make fun of the studio heads. Very little. Very yeah. Very little. This the the amount of satire was just saying that. Oh, we're rich, and I'm in, you know, uh, literally, like, Kate McKinnon, who's from SNL, she plays a studio head in the movie, and her her scene was, like, I'm in the French Alps or whatever, and I am uh, um, I just got my vaccination, and the executive who's overseeing the movie production says, oh, I didn't know the ex- vaccination was out already, and she goes, they're not. I'm rich or something like that. Something to the, that, that, that effect. It, it was mm. like, that's the joke. That's a, a, as, as, as hard hitting the satire was in that movie. It's just like a simple, a simple call the out, other, a simple call out the, that I'm rich and that's it. But yeah, go ahead. The other jokes are like, this character is a sex addict <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, it's yeah. Not even, and it's surprisingly not David Duchovny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I know. Yeah. It's uh, Pedro Pascal, and, and and I think Pedro Pascal is like the only one who I kind of liked in the movie because he was doing something different, or I haven't seen him do this kind of type of comedy before. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was just just really horrible. Rich, uh, you know, sitting in a movie against the pandemic, you would think that's a very hard thing to do. Uh, but I think you saw something recently that was set during the pandemic and it, it actually was successful. Yeah, uh, there was an episode of Modern Love. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's it's the, from the, uh, the writer, director, John Carney. And it's a short, one of the short episodes called uh, Strangers, on the, Strangers on the Dublin Train. And it stars uh, Kit Harington from Game of Thrones and Lucy Boynton. Um, this is a anthology series, and it's right. kind of based on a New York Times article where they kind of all depict uh, romances. Yeah, and this is just a short uh, uh, one one shot um, episode, and it's uh, it's it's it features the pandemic, I guess you could say. Yeah, it was and, it was the pandemic, right? Yeah, and it it's just a, a simple rom com that that's not longer than thirty minutes, and it, it's one of those perfect episodes. It's it's just. It, it's it's really good. I mean, but I, I love John Carney himself. So it, it's uh, all his work. Um, uh, I'm a fan of his already. So, but I mean, because I think the common the, the common consensus is that we don't want to see shows or or, or films set in, during the pandemic because it's depressing. But I found out in this it, w- per- it was it was okay during like the first couple months, like early on, because it was mm-hmm. very relatable. Mm-hmm. But now it's just tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I, I think I think this modern love episode in season two, you're saying it was season two. Yeah, season two. That it, it did it did it kind of respectful in a respectful way, and in, it, it's you know it's a light comedy, it's a light romantic comedy, um, or at least in the light romantic comedy genre. And Kit Harrington mm-hmm. was very good in the episode where he is playing someone who falls in love with someone on the train. And I think you could do it. I mean, it just proves that you could do these type of of, of, of stories set during the pandemic and not feel uh, cheap by it. And I think that's the problem with the with the bubble. Well, uh, well, once again, you know, Judd Apatow pr- applied his approach. You know, where there was like you know no screenplay. It's you know it, it's all Improv, improvised. Yeah. I mean, maybe it could have worked if he was working, you know, with Seth Rogen and all those guys again, but. He's working with, you know, actors that aren't necessarily, you know, improv comedians. Well, except, I guess except for Keegan-Michael Key, but he brought nothing to the movie. No, but neither and, did Fred Armisen. Well, he, he's the worst, one of the worst parts <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I mean, he just, yeah, like, there was a lot of people who I just saw who I thought was funny, and I've seen them, seen them do funny things before, but in this movie, they were just dreadfully unfunny. It was just depressing, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, you know, we were just talking about all these people who should retire, and I'm, I was thinking like maybe the whole cast of this movie should retire because the, the jokes are. Except for are... Pedro Pascal. <laughs> so yeah, except for Pe- and, Pedro. And, and, some, and some of the British cast. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think I like uh, the, the 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 actors who are playing the the staff members were probably the best best thing about the movie. Yeah, but I mean, everyone who are known actors. And everyone, maybe I just should blame Judd Apatow because it, it, it really felt like tired material. It's mm-hmm. fart, dick jokes, yeah, it's vomit yeah, that's gags. True, cause, cause but those, even those things could work. I mean, it's just it's just just done bad. Seth, yeah, Seth Rogen makes them work. <laughs> not all the time, not all the time, but yeah. That's true. Danny McBride makes them work most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we don't recommend uh, The Bubble. It's now playing on Netflix. I give it an F. Rich, you give it an F. And uh, Raymond, I think. You- I, I, I give it a D, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, we it's don't. Just, it, it's just, it's one of Netflix's worst movies, um, and it, that's saying a lot. It's not one of their worst movies. Yeah, it's, not, it's not one of their worst. <laughs> but it's one of their recent worst movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of their um, worst movies. I, I was going to say worst comedies, but I don't even think that's true. It's up there, though. Well, like like I was saying before, the uh, I was telling Mike, I guess, Netflix reminds me of Image Comics back in the 90s when they first started. Uh, they're giving all the control to the creators and to do whatever they want, and they'll, they'll print it or whatever in the comic books. And most of them came out like shit. I mean, it was, it was, it was, they were hits, but they were shit. And uh, and this one felt like Youngblood. <laughs> Youngblood number one. They need to work with the right creatives. Um, they're they're just giving money to like everybody that has a name, and that's not that's not the way to do this. Uh, they need they need they need, they need to give it to people who are hungry. You know, like hungry to prove well, themselves. Yeah, like and, eight like eight twenty four. The people eight twenty four works with. Sure, I, I mean, like just, how, I like how they're selecting filmmakers. Okay, so let's talk about another thing that we just recently watched. Uh, we saw, we all saw the first episode of Moon Knight. This is the new MCU uh, streaming series that stars, um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name. And, and so, Ethan Hawke. And Ethan Hawke is the kind of the main bat- baddie. Oscar Isaac is the hero of the film or the series. 
what's your thoughts on the, this? Because we only saw the first episode. Uh, what's your thoughts? I'm very surprised by this because, you know, I've been so disappointed with like the majority of the MCU shows that we've gotten. Uh, I had fun with WandaVision, but ultimately it was like a little disappointing at the end. And I really enjoyed Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but uh, I felt like it kind of would have worked better as a movie. And um, the rest of the Marvel shows I thought were just pretty bad, in my opinion. And this I was not looking forward to because I've been like so kind of let down by a lot of the previous Marvel projects that came prior. But this to me worked. It felt really fresh, and I and, and I like kind of how the you know the the episode played out. And it so far it seems like something that feels like uh, worthy of a TV series. Like this this doesn't seem like something that would have that needed to be a movie. And again, we're only one episode in, but I mean this seems like um. An interesting approach, I guess, to to make a to tell a superhero story, and I like um, I like that it's dealing with a character with like kind of mental mental illness. I think that's a very kind of interesting approach. It almost reminds me at times of the Marvel show Legion, which and I absolutely mm. love that it, kind of like a more mainstream version of that. And um, yeah, I'm 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 enjoying it. Yeah, like Raymond, I, I was really impressed by the first episode, but I'm not even, even calling it an episode. I'm calling it the first chapter because it's like the first chapter of a movie yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, this 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 felt um, like like uh, it's going to continue exactly where I laid, where it went off, and it it's it just seems like it's going to be all these episodes going to be a, a full on movie, to, and uh, I'm looking forward to it because it, it it was a great beginning. I was lukewarm with it with the episode. Um, um, I, I was not uh, that enthusiastic like you guys. Um, it's not that I have problems with it. I just wasn't really kind of connecting with the main character. Uh, Oscar Isaac does give a pretty decent performance. Um, I, I do like that there's not really no tie-ins with other kind of, uh, you know, Marvel tie-ins or characters mm-hmm. or it's part of some kind of uh, timeline or universe. It seems like its own one-shot deal. That's what I liked about it. But I, I was I was still was trying to figure out the character. I mean, uh, uh, he is a guy who suffers from uh, dissociative identity disorder, and um, so he has kind of multiple personalities. But he doesn't really understand that, or he doesn't really know that. And so I had these questions like, so was this his whole life? Like he didn't know this, or does he? You know, is there a background? Like, or this is did this just started like a couple months ago? And like, I had all these questions, and maybe they're going to answer it. You know, in the next couple episodes, but I got a feeling that they're not. <laughs> like, they don't even care about answering some of these well, back, I, I backstory. Get the sense that he's had, I get the sense he's had it his whole life. You think so? Yeah. So w- was he living in London this whole time then? Or I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, the, we'll, we'll I, find out. <laughs> I got the sense that he thought it was more more like a, a sleepwalker, and that's why. Well, that's what out. the yeah. It seems like he's he he only thinks that he's sleepwalking, right? And then finally, in this episode, this first episode, he realized that no, he, he there's someone who else lives in his body, uh, mm-hmm. uh, an American uh, mercenary guy. Uh, he also has, you know, there's also a superhero of uh, uh, Egyptian de- deity that takes over his body too. I, mean, I like, uh, I like, I like that, that. This seems like a supernatural take on superheroes. I kind of like that idea. But again, I was tr- just a little confused with the with the character, and maybe those those questions that I do have with with the show will eventually get answered. I I just fear that it won't because they're just gonna. I think they will. I, I fear that they won't because they're just more I, more concentrated on on the this story about him fighting uh, uh, Ethan Hawke and uh, but we'll see I, we'll I, see. I don't think so. 
I think I think you're I think you're supposed to have a lot of questions right now. I think that's intentional. I think the show was supposed the episode was supposed to end with us asking all those questions that you're asking. Yeah, I'm not even sure that Ethan Hawke is his villain. I mean, I think it's it's uh, Ethan Hawke might just be a, just a just a leader of a cult, basically, yeah, whatever. But I, I think they're just like two two sides of a coin. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there's uh, there is you know some sort of evil, of course. Maybe for me, Moon Knight would have worked better if I was I was able to binge the whole six part series. Uh, because I wouldn't have any of those questions. I could just, and it, I agree with Rich. It does feel like a one part of a bigger kind of movie, um, or six hour movie, I guess. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the rest of it, and you know, and I'll have a better idea what the what the show's tr- trying to say. Um, it's a good start, though. I'll say this: very f- a good start. I think, I, and again, I, I really enjoy Oscar Isaac's performance in this, and I think he has, he looks like he's having fun. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing with yeah. Ethan Hawke. I think he's having fun too, and then, and that really shows. Uh, Rich, let's talk about Minx. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the HBO Max show that stars Jake Johansson and uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy um, star Ophelia Lovebond. Yeah, it's a seventies based, uh, um, like a, a Playgirl uh, magazine kind of uh, create creating the first erotic magazine for women. It's a comedy. <laughs> it's a comedy. It's, good. it's yeah, comedy. Yeah. Which is a good uh, thing. I think. I think that's what's what's the great selling point. It's like it's also a kind of a mainstream comedy. This is not like a dark satire. This is like kind of like a really mainstream comedy uh, that, that 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 I I find very funny. Yeah, but it does have a lot of dongs in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, dongs are funny. Dongs are <laughs> Jesus a, a lot, especially in the first. They, yeah, spare no expense on the dongs. <laughs> yeah, but Jake Johansson is the is the one who uh, uh, is like the 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 big star in this film uh, in in the, in the show I like Ophelia I, Ophelia Loverbond yeah she, yeah I thought she was very good uh yeah I agree with Jake uh, Joe Han- Joe Johnson who was playing like the the grimy uh nude magazine publisher who agrees to uh, publish this magazine from this young feminist writer who wants to make ultimate feminist magazine. And his idea was like, well, let's make it into a nudie magazine and you could still write the articles. And I think it's a, I think it's a fun concept. And like I said, it's, it's, I think it's because it's a a, kind of like a, uh, because it's like straight out comedy. I think they, they, that's the main focus and all the other stuff isn't right. Yeah. I, I just found it very interesting that, you know, you forget like magazines were a big deal at one point in, in America, yeah. especially in the seventies. Uh, uh, everyone wanted a magazine and, and, and Jake Johnson's character is definitely not a Harry Flint. So yeah, he's kind of a, he's kind of a struggling publisher. He wants yeah. to succeed like everyone else. And I, I like the, the, the casting of, of Ophelia Lovabon because she is really, I only know her from, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. She plays uh, the protector. <laughs> yeah, the is it the protector, like the um, assistant or secretary? The oh collector. yeah, the collector. Oh, the yeah. collector. Yeah, it's the collector. Benicio del Toro. Right, right. She's like the secretary, or like the slave secretary, whatever you want to call that character. Um, and so this is like first thing I really see her in, and I I like that she's a real actress, and they didn't get like a comedian to yuck it up. You know, she's really acting in this part. And Jake Johnson is f- funny as hell. Uh, he kills it. Would I, you I, say this is his best role since safety not guaranteed? 
Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Since my girl, I guess, or no, not my new girl. Uh, yeah, I, I, I forgot I, about that. Uh, he he is a revelation. I I I didn't really have a strong opinion on him from this particular uh, um, show. I think he's a very great comic actor. Yeah, I think this really says a lot about kind of like starting a business at that time and also publishing and and trying to sell to a broader audience. You kind of lose the the hard edge of your ideals. The, you know, I I think it's a lot smarter than than just like smutty magazine, you know. Yeah. You know. And, and so far, it's been six episodes, so um, there's it's a total of ten. So we're almost there. I mean, it, so it's so far, it's been really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was very shocked because the the creator was a a woman uh, uh, named Ellen Rappaport, mm-hmm. and she um she made some of your favorite movies, right? She made she wrote a, mo- a movie called Desperados for Netflix and I think that was like one of my worst movies of la- of 2020. That and was so just you saw the bubble. <laughs> I saw the bubble. No, but yeah, that was a horrible like rom-com girls uh, nights out type of comedy and I I dreaded watching Minx because I knew she was the creator of this and she shocked me. I think yeah. th- cuz I think this is a really well-written show. It's yes, it's mainstream comedy, but yes, I think it ha- it's clever, and I think it has a lot to say about kind of what's going on now, yeah. and 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 the ideas of radicalism are shaved off once you go into a commercialized industry. And I think that has a lot to say about that. I was really really impressed by it, and it's yeah, like you said, it's only what six episodes now. Mm-hmm. Is it over? No, it's not over. Right? No, no, ten episodes total. Okay, good. Oh uh, yeah, so. I I recommend it. It's it's a fun little show on HBO Max. Yeah, Raymond, do you, have you watched have you watched anything recently? Yeah, well, I, I recently watched the Apple Plus series, The After Party. Uh, it was it's a show from uh, Chris Chris Miller, um, one half of the duo of uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the guys that brought us uh, the Lego movies and um, Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street. And uh, this is a uh, I guess Chris Miller's first kind of like solo project. And uh, I wasn't very excited for this series because I didn't think the trailers for it looked very good. Um, When the show premiered, they debuted the first episode um, back in, uh, I guess, uh, January 28th. And uh, I, or I guess they premiered the first three episodes back in uh, the end of January. And I wasn't super, super impressed with it. But as the series went on, I kind of got a bit more on board with it just because I was kind of surprised by how by how much they were able to kind of stretch this um, just the storyline and uh, by uh, how just kind of absurd and ridiculous the thing kind of got as it went along. Um, The one unfortunate thing I would say or this and this is a big unfortunate but the one thing I will say about the series is that it's not as funny as you would expect from a show from, you know, the guys that brought you, you know, 21 and 22 Jump Street. You'd expect it to be funnier. So I actually, I'm assuming that Phil Lord, the the one that wasn't involved with this, is probably the guy that really brings the funny. Because mm. uh, th- that, that felt like something that was kind of missing from here. But it was still very witty and very smart. Like, this was a... This this I thought this I thought this was a smart show overall, and while I it wasn't as funny as I would have liked, I was very satisfied with the series by the end. Um, some of some some standout episodes for me, like um, the, there's there's an throughout the series there's there's reference of uh, 
some tragic or not tragic, but some some traumatic event that happened in high school to all these characters at at a high school party. And while we're uh, throughout the series, we're getting this uh, retelling of uh, of the. Well, I guess I haven't even talked about what the show's about. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, the the show's about um, uh, a high school reunion, and at the high school reunion, uh, there's um, a rich kind of actor singer youtube star type of guy played by um a dave franco played by dave franco and uh he gets uh murdered at his, an after party he throws for the high school reunion and everyone's a sus- suspect and um so throughout the episode series we're getting uh retellings of the the chain of events but in different styles uh one one uh one the first episode's done like a romantic comedy uh, I don't remember the second episode was done specifically like a fast and the furious movie. <laughs> the third episode was a musical and um, a, an episode that w- was a standout for me was the sixth episode was just all done as a animated mm. animated movie, like a children's animated film. And it, 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 if you, like, if you're familiar with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I mean, these guys, you know, they did the Lego movies as I mentioned earlier. They did uh cloudy with a chance of meatballs and a, uh, uh, Clone High and, and various other animated projects and like uh, the the Spider Man animated film, so th- this episode was uh, was actually pretty unique. It 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 did ha- it had a lot of um kind of weird kind of anim- animation quirks that I saw in the kind of recent uh, Mi- Mitchell's vs Machines was it mm-hmm, yeah. little kind of animated st- things that you you would see in stuff like, in a movie like that, but done in two D and two D animation uh, hands hand-drawn style and uh, i really enjoyed that episode another episode uh, that st- stood out for me was the fifth episode which was all done like a, a nine late 90s early 2000s teen comedy specifically like american pie mm. and uh and that was i guess that's the episode i was talking about how you know throughout this series they're talking about this like traumatic high school event that happened in a high school party and that's that episode Another standout episode was actually uh, Tiffany Haddish's episode where she tells uh, a retelling uh, or where she retells her uh, story of how she got into the to the uh, police force and her whole story into becoming a detective. And that whole episode was kind of done like Lethal Weapon meets uh, Bad Boys, <laughs> which, was, which was interesting. And um, overall, yeah, it was, it was a fun series, but I wish it was funnier. Mm. All right. But you you recommend it? I do recommend because it. it got better as it went along. Yeah, so that's it. That's it for this episode. Uh, we'll say this: uh, we we don't recommend the bubble. <laughs> we do recommend that one episode of uh, of Modern Love in season two. We do recommend episode one of Moon Knight, even though I had problems with it. Definitely recommend Minx, which is now on HBO Max, and also the After Party, kind of a lukewarm recommendation from from uh, Raymond. Yeah, which is on Apple Plus. If you have it, might as well check it out. All right. So that's it for this episode of Inside Flicks. Thank you for listening to us. And we'll be back hopefully next week. Uh, you know what? I'm <laughs> Stay uh, stay tuned for a uh, uh, extra episode where we're going to be doing a, a second chance review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. That's coming up. Until then, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. All right. That's it.